For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Um, other than that, just sound like your average, average everyday guy. So I, you, you sometimes will see me like sporting a tie. Sometimes like right now I'm wearing a t-shirt mm-hmm. and, you know, a simple hat, um, or a ball cap. I want to be the guy that you can think of as, Hey, I grew up with a dad that wore a suit every day. I can kind of identify with Liberty dad with DL a little bit, or, Hey, I grew up with a dad that was a mechanic or was a plumber and I can identify with that guy as well because I kind of dabble in all those worlds anyway. Sometimes I am, I am wearing a suit and a tie and sometimes I am out, you know, doing some, well, actually I've really gotten into woodworking a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so, so I'm kind of doing all these things anyway. So I'm like, might as well make the best of it. Right. So basically it's just to be very, very fatherly. And I think you present that relatively well. What is up everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical, and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Oh, okay? yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode 137. Today, I have the very fatherly, scholarly, patient, and kind D.L. Cummings with me. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well, and you are very generous in your description. Yeah, well, um, you know, I noticed a uh, trend on Twitter that pretty much every interaction I see you partake in, um, you're always very, very kind. And even uh, we had a, I don't even want to say it was like a spat, but um, I think it was just a little bit of a conversation discussing um, the election of Hector Roos. And uh, mm. you were always very, very kind. And every time I see you interact with anybody, even when people are being completely and totally shitty to you, um, you always, your character always shines through. And um, I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that I acknowledge that and, um, you know, put that forward for everybody because it it means a lot to me to see somebody that isn't quite as hot-headed as most other libertarians on Twitter to just, you know, kind of have a, let's take a breath, relax, and let's respond hey. in kind. So I, well, I don't know well, how I you have do my it. moments. I have my moments. <laughs> I, I have, I have, um, there, 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 you can find a few instances where I've kind of cut loose a little bit on people and been very abrasive. Um, that, that may be putting it nicely a time or two. Um, so I have my moments like anybody else does, but I really do try to keep it chill and relaxed, uh, mostly because, you know, I'm five foot three and I weigh about 120 pounds. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've just kind of learned, uh, the hard way actually growing up that, uh, be careful what you say, because you might actually have to confront somebody, um, with what you've said and they may not be so generous, which <laughs> some people were not when I was younger. 
but yeah. I can take a punch and a <laughs> kick to the chest repeatedly. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. Well, I'm about a uh, five eleven and 185 pounds. And I can lift some pretty heavy stuff, but uh, I always kind of took the perspective of, I don't know if that person sitting across the bar um, knows. So it, it's probably best if I don't fuck around and find out because, you know, they, they may be half my size. They may be your size, but that don't mean right. that they can pick me up and throw my ass around. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've seen some small guys uh, throw some weight around. And what I mean by weight, I mean people. Like literally I saw a guy, uh, one of my friends got into a fight. They, they actually, this is back in the day. So if you've got any younger viewers, like in their twenties, I don't know if this happens these days, but in my day, you literally would meet somebody like at a corner or you would meet them at the, um, you know, the, the schoolyard or the, the local park or something. You guys right? touch your uh, porch though, real quick. Right. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you, you would meet to fight. And uh, I remember a friend of mine met at the corner and this other dude met and he was a smaller guy and they kind of got to rumbling and the littler guy just literally wrapped his arms around him, picked him up and then just threw him down on the concrete. I was like, it's <laughs> pretty wild. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess we should probably get to some of the uh, libertarian stuff that I wanted to talk to you about. Today. Um, I'm sure fighting isn't it, right? Yeah. Well, there's plenty of fighting there, but <laughs> I believe in a show that I listened to earlier with you on it, um, you had joined your local LP in 2017. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, roughly around there. I think it was late 2017. Okay, so I guess what brought you to the – well, you know what? I guess let's even uh, rewind a little bit further than that. You were in the military, correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so um, if you don't mind, kind of elaborate on that and perhaps maybe how that would entail to you becoming a libertarian, if at all. Um, so let's, let's start with, from the very beginning, if, if you will, and I don't mean like the beginning, but like, I don't like a lot of people talk about their Ron Paul moment, right? Like there's a mm -hmm. lot of libertarians like, oh man, when I heard Ron Paul, like it just invigorated me. I, I I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't know who Ron Paul was until like much later. Um, I apologize. My, my, I'm using my phone as a camera and apparently I left it on vibrate. So somebody's trying to call me so you can see the vibrations. So I uh, totally okay. apologize for that. It'll go away in just a moment. I thought that was just the edibles I took before. No, I'm kidding. Right, I'm kidding. right. <laughs> no, sorry, everybody. Uh, your stuff hasn't kicked in. So do not take another one just yet. At any rate. So I didn't have that moment. Uh, I think I had just a bunch of small moments and I like to joke with people. Is this a family friendly show? How, how clean should I keep it? Oh, the, however okay, far you want to go. <laughs> All right, so I, I, I like to joke and say that I had my hooker moment. Um, and what I mean by that is I came, I, I used to listen to talk radio years ago. Uh, this was back when like Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh were very, very popular. And I would, I don't remember exactly what was being talked about, but I came home and I was talking to my ex-wife and I just kind of like, I, I didn't really deliver it so well. I came home and I was like, you know, prostitution should be legal. <laughs> And uh, she did not like hearing that. And she was getting very, very angry. And I was like, why are you getting so angry? Like, this is like, it's not that big of a deal. And then I finally realized what I said and what she heard were not the same. What she heard was prostitution might be, should be legal because, you know, I've been considering. <laughs> so I had to back up and say, oh, well. so that was kind of like, I think the moment for me where I started realizing this idea of self-ownership, okay, where I just kind of was like, well, you know, if you if you own yourself enough to go out and meet up and hook up with meet with somebody and hook up with them at the end of the night, um, just after some drinks or after going to the club, 
then what's the difference if they, you know, throw a 20 at you afterward and say, yeah, hey, let me tip you for that, you know, mm-hmm. um, as absurd as it might sound. So that was kind of my moment. I didn't, everything else kind of started falling in later. So I was in the Army National Guard and I, you know, a lot of people joke and like, oh, so it's not really the real Army, but I actually did uh, full-time service a number, a number of times. And one of them was a, a six-month tour in Bosnia. And, um, so I, I got to see not the, the, the horrors of war, but like the aftermath of war years later, you know, when I, I remember being there and I was, they would see like buildings that had big, huge holes in them and stuff like that. And there was a lot of destitution in certain areas and, you know, just all these different things. So I, um, uh, so, so I, I don't know that my military experience immediately led to anything. It wasn't until I became a libertarian when I started looking back and saying, oh, I get it, right? Because at the time, I kind of held the conservative line, the mm-hmm. you know the war hawk line. I was like, oh, we need to go spread democracy because these poor folks just don't get it. And we're going to be the ones to deliver it, you know, even if we have to do it with bullets, you know, and it just never really clicked in. Um, although I wasn't entirely sold looking back because I, I remember arguing about some of the things that I saw in Bosnia. Um, one particular. Yeah, unfortunately, a little bit of connectivity issues, but, uh, that's no problem for a Florida man and a Yinzer. So we got it. (laughs) Right. So we'll back up a moment. So one of the things that I was telling, uh, you know, a moment ago is that some of the things I saw kind of suggest that maybe I was kind of becoming enlightened without knowing it. Mm -hmm. So when I was in Bosnia, one of the things that we did was we would literally go door to door knocking, asking, uh, people like if they had any guns that they wanted to get rid of. And people that might remember that there was a very nasty Bosnian war in the early 90s. So um, we we collected all these weapons and then we did this like showing where they laid all, most of them were rifles, but they laid all the rifles against some rail ties and they had a tank come over and roll them over. And they had the media out there. And I remember remarking, I said something along the lines of like, this is a bunch of garbage. And I got into it with a butter bar, a lieutenant, um, second lieutenant. And he got got mad and he was like, no, we're doing a great service, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, these rifles are all rusty, man. I'm like, I'm not even sure that any of them work. You know, like, yeah, we're running them over, but we don't even need to because it's not likely that they're going to be functional in the first place. Mm -hmm. And what I observed when we were out, you know who gave us weapons? People that weren't, you know, that that didn't want them. They they weren't going to use them for any purpose whatsoever, be it starting, you know, initiating new conflict or for even defending themselves. You know, most of them were little old widows who had firearms there that for whatever reason, they just didn't want. Mm -hmm. So I started noticing early on, you know, some things just kind of weren't really adding up. Then I scroll forward a little bit. And I think I just kind of slowly became a libertarian bit by bit. As I went along, I just kind of, you know, started okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. There was no one person. There was no organization. I think I just uh, was listening to talk radio and I'm not even really sure how I actually made the transition transition from conservative to libertarian. But somewhere along the line, I, I heard about it. I started looking into it. And then I went to my first libertarian meetup. 
Um, but before that, in Florida here, I initially, this was about 2016, I was kind of interested in the Libertarian Party, but there was this fellow here in Florida named um, Sol Invictus. And the dude was a weirdo. And I think he's since been like thrown in jail for assault and battery and all this crazy stuff. But he was a weirdo then because he would like, like I read a story about him and he was, you know, apparently a dude that would drink goat blood because he was a pagan. And I was like, what the heck is this? I'm like, look, I get it. Like you do what you do on your own time, but that's weird, man. And so I kind of didn't really want to have anything to do with the Libertarian Party because I was like, all right, if, if that's who is getting the attention, what are the rest of the people like? What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body. and let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee, so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut, and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys, thanks. So then I went to a, a meeting and I, I found out that like there were a bunch of people that were just like me. They were just like normal bros and, and, mm -hmm. and dudes or dudes and chicks. Right. And so I was like, oh, I was like, this is not so bad. And then about three meetings later, they dissolved because the chair stepped down abruptly and nobody wanted to be the chair. And the way that works is if you don't have a chair, you don't have an affiliate. And so I kind of got angry after a while and I was like, I, I just decided to join you know, to get involved and, and here you, you know, you go crumbling before me. So I reached out to some people that I had met and I said, we're getting this back up. We got it back up. We became the officers. Um, I bounced between treasurer and secretary uh, for a couple of years. And then finally I said, you know what, it's time. Let me step up and I'll be chair. And so here I am. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's my story. Yeah. Nice. Um, was there any, your journey kind of reminds me of mine because there really never was just a moment where libertarianism just clicked. Like you said, it was just kind of like little bits along the way that you just kind of pulled the thread on. And for me, it's, it's kind of funny now because now I'm like a fervent anti-imperialist, but that mm -hmm. was actually the last piece that fell into place for me because um, I grew up around mechanics, right? I mean, mm -hmm. all right-leaning people and they're all very very pro-war so i just kind of took it on the face and said okay well whatever you know we have to fight these wars because these people are bad and they hate us and i was listening to a lot of people like ben shapiro stephen crowder mm -hmm. and once again a lot of right-wingers they're very very pro-war and it wasn't until um i think i heard dave smith on um joe rogan and then he kind of broke it down and then i started looking at scott horton and then all the other mm -hmm. people and then i'm like oh you know what yeah if you're a libertarian perhaps being anti-imperialist makes sense because you know killing people is bad and then that generally can come back home and then 
kind of affect the rest of us. Um, did your experience overseas, do you feel like that kind of gives you a little bit more of a unique perspective when it comes to being a libertarian? Because it seems like a lot of vets typically have a little bit better of a perspective. And I also want to get into how this affects your leadership role, but uh, kind of starting from there. Um, I I do think it impacts me because I think it made it easier to um, consume the argument that having a military and out and about in the world is, uh, being a good thing. Like, it, oh, I'm sorry. It, it helped me consume the idea that it wasn't a good thing, sure. right? Because I got to experience firsthand, not in a wartime situation, but at least in, you know, the, the fact that we've got military um, presence in these different countries. And I started to experience, I was like, what are we doing here? Like, when I look back, we didn't really accomplish anything that I can kind of say, yeah, I pat myself on the back and say, I'm glad I went. Now, I'm not upset that I went. Um, I don't generally, I, I, I tend not to regret my behaviors for the most part. I mean, there's a few things here and there that I wish I hadn't done. But for the most part, I just look at everything as, you know, taking me where I am today. So the person, you know, so I, yeah, I, I joined the military and yeah, I, rah, 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 I was a patriot and, you know, we got to spread liberty and that's fine. I, I'm not. I'm not going to spend a lot of time regretting all that. Um, but I think it also helped lay the groundwork because I do think that um, I think in this country probably the biggest hurdle that the Libertarian Party has is foreign policy, mm -hmm. and I think it's for two reasons. One, people really do cherish liberty, and they believe that America tends to have more liberty than many other countries. And then I think they really cherish their soldiers because their soldiers are their their brothers and their fathers and their mothers and their daughters, right? And I, I mean, I know people who have lost a loved one in, you know, like the Iraq war. And we, I think when you cherish somebody, you want to cherish their memory. And it's very difficult to reconcile this idea that your loved one died and they didn't have to, right? Mm -hmm. They, they, maybe they... <clears throat> Um, maybe they went over and they were fighting in a war that they didn't belong fighting in, but that, you know, they were lied to, mm -hmm. um, and, um, they did it in my opinion for honorable reasons, even right. if it was out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's our biggest hurdle. And I think it, I think it would have been mine had I not been in the military and had I not went to Bosnia and saw all these actions that we did that didn't end up really accomplishing anything all right so. yes so one thing that i've kind of been touching on lately when it comes to the presidential election it always seems to me like the president who's the least hawkish generally wins now honestly i'm gonna say it seems like that might change in 2024 with how hawkish everybody is on russia and china mm -hmm. but um if you look throughout like the 90s and then the early 2000s and then even trump um, it was generally the presence, and now obviously what they rhetorically spoke about and what they did are two completely different mm -hmm. things. But rhetorically, it was very important for them to be anti-war because you know you look at Bush, you know no more new wars, and then right. you know obviously he goes for something completely different. Obama, we're going to bring all the troops home. Trump, you know his big deal was refuting the Bush and um, Clinton legacies. Um, so I really like that you kind of explain that point. And one point that I've made a lot is that. Nobody in either political party is really like 
explicitly good on China. Like there mm-hmm. is nobody anymore saying like, hey, we shouldn't go to war with China. And I understand that's not like the main thing, but yeah, obviously the Libertarian Party is good in Ukraine, but like this China deal seems to be really, really big and it's really, really drumming up and like nobody has their eyes on that ball. So um, I'm glad that you kind of put that out there for people to kind of bit on because I do think people need to pay attention to the foreign policy stuff and understand that, yes, this is people like me, my age, younger, you mm-hmm. know, sons, fathers, daughters, mothers, whoever going over there to die for noble purposes, but they're being taken advantage of ethics, you know, for basically arms manufacturers profits. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that we, when we craft our message, we need to make sure that we're aware of how we're talking about it so that it comes across as, um, across uh, some of it comes across as you know we we're not diminishing your loved ones mm-hmm. we're not diminishing your service if you are a member who went over there and maybe lost an arm or a leg or you know have some other you know horrific um you know result you know to your body mm-hmm. i think we need to be very very mindful of that when we're talking and say look look we get it you went over there for honorable intentions unfortunately you were lied to you were sold um, basically a lie, you, you know, somebody took advantage of you and yes, we, 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 I think it's a good thing that we have people that are willing to go over there. You know, when I say over there, I mean, just go out, you know, beyond our borders, if you will, if that they're willing to go, let me put it this way. I think it's good that we have people that are willing to go and fight when they feel that the country needs them. And possibly even up to losing their life. I think that's mm-hmm. a good thing. We want a volunteer army that keeps us away for, from conscri- ah, con- conscription. But we also have to be careful that we don't inadvertently diminish that attitude or mm-hmm. the attitude that loved ones have about them. Because we will quickly lose people. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. And this is something that I've always admired about people in the military. And I kind of also apply this to the police. And this is why I get frustrated when people start saying all cops are bastards. And they kind of run down this line is that, like you said, you will turn off so many people so fast mm-hmm. who actually more than likely would be very receptive to your message. But, um, you know, you come to a small rural town like this, like when I walk my dogs in the morning, there are Trump flags everywhere. If you walk and knock on the people's doors and you start telling them that all cops are bastards and that everybody that serves in the military is a bloodthirsty murderer those people will slam the door in your face and they will never want to hear from you again so when you're empathetic and you understand like hey i love the fact that these people are willing to do this for what they believe is the right cause uh, we we have to approach it as like we understand they're not libertarians, right? Because mm-hmm. like you and I both were not always libertarians right out of the womb. We had to kind of be built to be libertarians. So right. the way that I always look at this is that it's our responsibility as libertarians and people who can kind of see beyond what most people see. It's our responsibility to pull the wool off people's mm-hmm. eyes and make them see where we're coming from. And like I said, it, it seems like you're kind of on the same vein. I really, really like that because some people get lost in just being an edgelord and just want to piss people off rather than be empathetic right. and say, I understand where you're coming from. You know, I, we, I think we had a conversation like – no, I think I chimed in on a conversation. It was yours, I think, mm-hmm. where there there was a person, and it, it was an anarchist, and they were like, you know, you got to their their kind of attitude was you need to jar people away, and I'm like, you know, that does work mm-hmm. for a very small percentage of people. Yes, and I'm a big believer that you need to know your audience. Your audience is generally not one 
that you can just simply say, all cops are bastards and they're terrible, blah, 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 here's why. And they're gonna be like, you know what, you're right. In fact, I'll turn in my badge. There might be some, right? Yeah. Um, but honestly, I believe if I believe anybody that's like that is probably already on the verge of it. Right. Um, now, whether or not that you know that's a useful tipping point for them, we could argue that. But I would just mostly argue and say, reality is most people are not like that. Mm -hmm. Most people do need to kind of have their hand held and walked through. I mean, think about how think about voting patterns right now, right? Like people vote very much. They they vote on one issue. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're like single issue voters. They'll um, uh, they'll not vote if they don't like either candidate. I mean, people aren't really taking a rational approach of any kind whatsoever, right. and it seems to be all over the place. And I think that's kind of what we need to kind of tap into is say how how are these people responding? There, I mean. Yeah, in a sense, you might get people responding to some negative stuff, but I, I, I don't really think that works that well. Mm -hmm. um, I think it does work, unfortunately, but just not as well as people think. Um, and, it's, and I think especially for the Libertarian Party, when we're so vastly different, we're just libertarians in general, but we're so vastly different that we are the underdog, and the underdog does not get the advantages that the the big dogs if you will have mm -hmm. so we always have to take a different approach and i think that we don't have the opportunity to necessarily just get in there and and and, and shake people in that manner that doesn't mean that we can't be bold and, and say wild things but i do think that we need they need to be very measured um and we need to be cognizant of the repercussions that you know we might miss the mark entirely mm -hmm. and we may we may have to backpedal or we may have to um, uh, really work hard to recover from that one bad one. Right. So I, 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 you know, and I think New Hampshire is kind of a good example where mm -hmm. they have acknowledged like, Hey, you know what? We missed the mark on this tweet, you know, or whatever. And um, they don't, I don't think that they have to necessarily backpedal or do anything mm -hmm. like that. But I, I do think that if one New Hampshire's kind of already got this reputation, so it's okay. Uh, I, th I think more so than most people, right. um, and and I don't think that the ra the the rest of the party is really ready to deal with the repercussions. And so, since we're not ready to deal with those repercussions, we should definitely stay away. Um, but I'm even still not sure that even if we were, it would be a good thing for the party as a whole. Yeah. So, and this is something that I battle with a lot in my mind because. Um, if you would have asked me in what was it 2021 when New Hampshire was making the new or you know making the news, mm -hmm. um, I would have said that that should have never came from a blue check you know official party account. But then when they start talking about okay, well the culture in New Hampshire is a little bit different and these laws got passed and the shifts the Overton window, um, I find it hard to argue against that. But once again, now living here in Pennsylvania, this is a completely different story and there's definitely right. a different culture here. But kind of to your point. Um, the National Party may get some backlash for that because some people may project that into all other areas. So it's kind of like this fine line that you have to walk. And this is something that I've heard you talk about before as well, and I will let you speak to it as well. Um, you got to kind of know your audience and know who you're talking to and allow people who speak to those audiences best speak to those audiences. So like, obviously this is like a fitness and health podcast as well as is a, a libertarian podcast. So when I have, you know, fitness minded guests on, we make 
creep over into the more liberty-minded stuff and mm-hmm. they typically are very very receptive which is really really cool so i feel like that's more my niche right um dave smith seems to appeal to a lot of people with his message um read in the way that he messages may reach a lot of people you or uh dennis down there may reach people in a certain way so right. um I it seems like something that you also admire about some people in the party is uh, this idea of decentralization and allowing people to message their way to their audience best. Absolutely. Um, at first, a while back, I did kind of, I kind of a little bit was on this, like everybody's got to be, you, you know, you can't message that way. It's not right. going to work. And then started pulling back and I started, one of the things that I, I it dawned on me, um, this was about a year ago, maybe, it dawned on me that there there seems to be like two major sides mm-hmm. in in the libertarian party and that's where you get most of your conflict right and it dawned on me that it seemed like one side would um was very good at dealing with uh, messaging that they liked and the other side was very good at dealing with messaging that they liked but neither side seemed to really handle messaging that they didn't like and i was like you know that doesn't seem right it seems like if we're going to talk about how we have such great ideas and how, you know, you know, we're all reading like 900 economics books, which I'm actually not one of them, but you know, like a lot of us, you know, put a lot of reading into this stuff and, and talking about, I'm like, maybe we should be a little bit more flexible, more adaptable to messaging. And maybe if you're, you know, so I, and I use the example of New Hampshire because, um, you know, they, they do tweet, tweet some wild stuff sometimes. And sometimes uh, and, and and I got to this point where I was like, you know what, maybe rather than criticizing them, maybe I should see what I can do with it. Uh, maybe that's where my real power is. Because at the end of the day, the reality is I don't have control over New Hampshire. None of them. You know, not the party, none of the people. I may be able to influence a couple of people. I may be able to, to, you know, send a message and be like, ah, I don't know about that one. You know, maybe. Um, but I do have a lot of control over me and my voice. So I was like, why don't I work on mine so that when they say something, no matter what it is, no matter how wild it is, I can take that and drive the conversation back to where I need it to be. Mm-hmm. I tried it out. Like I have a couple of podcasts where uh, my friend Steve, he comes over almost every Friday night and he is a more progressive now, I don't want to say he's quite liberal, but maybe liberal in the old fashioned sense, like maybe 20 years ago, liberal, right? Sure. But he's still not, he, he wouldn't have been radical then. He's definitely not radical now. Um, and I presented him some of the tweets that New Hampshire said. You could see he's like grimacing on his face. He's like, ooh, you know? And then and I'm like, but let's talk about it. You know, let's, let's bring, and then I'll talk about it and I'll drive that conversation back around. And then, what I'm looking for is a, all right, well, that's a fair point. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking to get. I, I don't think I'm, I don't expect that he's going to be like, you know what? You're totally right. I'm on board with that. But I am looking for, you know, that's a good point because that means I've said it in a way where he's really been like, wow, okay. I, I didn't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's powerful. And so I think we're better off by really focusing on how we deliver and being adaptable because at the end of the day, I can't control what messaging I get. And then I further make this point where I say, okay, let's take the crazy tweeters out of the out of the um out of the equation. Let's say it's the media now. Well, the media is gonna spin things. So, okay, maybe we can force New Hampshire to to I mean we I know we can't, but let's just say we could. 
maybe we could force the New Hampshire folk to not tweet wild things, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Except for the media is going to come out and be like, well, this is, you know, they're going to put a spin on it and we're going to have to deal with it. So mm -hmm. I kind of came up with this line. I said, if you can't deal, how did I say it? If you can't deal with, if you can't manage um, like rough truth, then how are you going to handle rough lies or something like that? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the idea being what they're saying is actually true from a libertarian perspective. Mm -hmm. um, they may be saying it in a provocative way, um, but it's still true, at least, right. you know. And so if you can't manage to work with that, how are you going to handle when the media totally distorts something that isn't even true in the first place? You know, so it's like a lie and then they've distorted it to make it even worse. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I'm going to step out of the screen for just a moment. I got to grab my power cord. I forgot on my laptop, but yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, you keep going. I'm, I'm like literally right here. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. So I, I really like that. Like I said, you kind of shape it to, Hey, we need to make sure that the best person for this specific job is going to do this. And that um, you kind of stepped away from saying, okay, this has to be the messaging no matter what, because like I, I really wasn't too far off from that, but you know, obviously some people may be uh, actually a lot of people were attracted by Joe Jorgensen. People are mm -hmm. going to jump all over mm -hmm. me for saying that, but she did bring some people onto the party, perhaps not the people that the Mises Cox may have liked. And then obviously Dave Smith has driven a lot of people into the party. Some people that people outside of the Mises caucus may not have liked. Um, but one thing that you kind of hit on there with your friend who you said you spend a lot of time with is that um, one thing that I want people to take note of, and I speak about this a lot as well, is relationship capital. If this person is spending a lot of time with you, then you already have relationship capital with this person, mm -hmm. right? You, you've built trust, you've built a relationship, right. so therefore they're more likely to buy into your ideas. So one thing I like to get from people who seem to be pretty well-educated and pretty you know well-liked is uh, kind of their perspectives on personal development. And how this should go is to how we're going to drive more people towards libertarianism, because my thinking is if we're not influential people ourselves, then how are we going to get people to believe in our ideas if we're not worthy of their influence? So therefore, right. we need to be as influential and as great of people as possible to appeal to the most amount of people, because if we're influential people, then people are going to be more likely to believe us and invest in our ideas. Yeah, and 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 I've ha I've had that criticism, or not that criticism, but I've had criticism mm -hmm. over the fact that hey, that's your friend, you've already built and established some trust, um, so it's a little bit easier for you. But honestly, I find the same thing when I talk to people. I don't I don't necessarily find a new person and say, hey, let me tell you about this wild thing that I saw that somebody else said, yeah. and let me see if I can't walk around it. But I have had conversations with people that I would have once thought couldn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and and I'll I'll just kind of lay it out. Um, I have when when it comes to talking about private property and ownership, especially businesses, mm -hmm. and allowing businesses to um, to work with and hire whomever they want, right? Um, you get the inevitable question, right? I mean, I'm sure you already know where that question is, mm -hmm. right? You follow me on that? If I say, hey, yeah, business should be able to hire and fire whoever they want. They should be able to do business with whoever oh, they want. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and what then, about racist business right, owners? Right, And people are like, yeah, sorry. so you'd be okay with a sign that says no blacks allowed? And, you know, and it used to make me really nervous because I was like, well, I'm, I'm not really okay with that. And then I realized, I was like, wait a minute. Um, this is, this question is, uh, there's something wrong with this question. Mm -hmm. And that it's, it's, it's a conflict 
the question is doing two things. It's one, it's trying to decide whether or not I'm okay with somebody doing something in the sense of, am I, do I think it's appropriate for me to use force to stop you, which is not, which is not usually part of the conversation. The bigger part of the conversation is, are you morally personal, you know, personally morally okay with this? Well, no, the answer is I'm, I'm not personally morally okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is I start saying, okay, well, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Let's separate these two because one, no, I'm not personally and morally okay with this. In fact, if I walked by a business and they had a sign that said, no blacks allowed, I would not go in there. Okay. Period. Um, depending on the situation, I might even tell them I'm not coming in because you're a bunch of racist bigots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be very obvious. Um, but, uh, the, I'm trying, I lost my train of thought there for a second. So it's okay. Um, but then I have to say, the question is not just would I go in there, but would I use force to stop somebody else from going in there, which is an entirely different question. Mm -hmm. So I started learning to become comfortable with breaking things apart a little bit. And I've actually had conversations with friends who are black, who are not libertarian, who tend to lean more um, liberal and would normally say, that's a horrible, disgusting idea. And I've said like, I've kind of laid it out and I said, here's where we're coming from. Here's why we believe this. Mm-hmm. And here's and and then ultimately I think the number one thing that we have to be uh, be wise to is to say, what problem is somebody trying to resolve? When people have an objection to a thing, mm-hmm. whether it's um whether it's allowing somebody to work unlicensed in a particular area or whether it's allowing someone to um, you know, restrict certain groups of people from coming into their business establishment. Mm-hmm. The reason that people use force is because they're trying to resolve some sort of problem that they don't like. So what you have to do when you're talking is you have to, you know, acknowledge that problem, which means you kind of got to work, you know, talk to the person, listen to them, hear them out, find out exactly what their problem is. And then we can say, here's how I believe that my ideas will address the concern that you have. Because if you don't address somebody's concern, then they don't care about your ideas. They only care about, can you address, you know, can your idea address my concern? And, and, and then it's a matter of convincing them that it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a lot more of a saleable approach rather than telling them about anarcho-capitalism and, you know, what the bridge Dan Kapistan mm-hmm. looks like. And this is why, and I'm sure you probably have a similar respect for um, Larry mm-hmm. Sharp. I think Larry Sharp is one of the greatest walking human beings alive today. I, I cannot say enough good things about Larry Sharp because he loves to meet people where they're at and he loves talking about solutions and he never approached it as like a political thing. He always says, I'm selling mm-hmm. happiness. And that is just so much more of like an approach way for the average person rather than just saying okay well in a free market or in a libertarian society in you know in ankapistan he's saying okay well this is what this would look like and the most beautiful example i could think of would be uh his whole covid approach back in um march of 2020 when he kind of laid out how businesses would have stamps Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so um I just find that that's much more of a, a you know feasible approach to getting people to our ideas rather than just trying to lecture them on you know economics right. one lesson in a conversation. A lot of times, the same idea can be applied differently, and people sure. will agree with it. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, 
most people would say, hey, the idea of putting up a sign that says no blacks allowed is a horrible idea, not acceptable. Um, but I've never had anybody that really objected to this. And this is from my understanding is actually true. I've not personally experienced it. So back in the maybe 90s, late 80s, there, there were uh, there, there was this notion that some gay bars would not let straight people in. And they and some of them would even have a sign that said no straights. And that was because you'd have some you'd sometimes have straight people, straight guys, young guys coming in and harassing people. And they were like, look, this business is for gay people to come out, have a good time, you know, have some drinks, maybe meet somebody new. Um, we want to keep this in an environment where they feel comfortable coming out and enjoying the company of other people, other gay people. Right. So they would actually not let people in who were straight on purpose. I've never heard anybody object to that. So the idea that, you know, so when you break, when you, when you make it a more broad thing and say, okay, well, maybe not letting certain demographics in isn't necessarily a bad idea. Um, and we should allow the market to, to let it happen when it's appropriate and then let people know, like, by the way, the market can also take care of things when it's not appropriate. And one of the things that I've, I, this is one of the things that I've told people and I've told friends this, I said, you think the government is rough? Like the government, like if I put, you know, and I don't want to say I do, but if somebody were to put up a sign that says no blacks allowed, you think the government's rough? Wait till you see the free market, how the free market responds, mm -hmm. right? The free market can put your business under in like a day, a mm -hmm. single day, not a single rule or law has to happen. You know, all and and you could get hate mail from all across the United States, you know, and, and we saw this. We saw this happen. Um, where was it? It was the pizza place up in Indiana, and this was years ago. Okay. Northern Indiana, somebody some news reporter walked in and said, Hey, would you deliver pizzas to a gay wedding? Um, it was a really bizarre question because like mm -hmm. I, like how many gay weddings have pizza i don't know how many weddings at all like have pizza i don't know mm -hmm. but um i think the young girl was like uh she said something like you know we're a christian establishment or something like that whatever and they got like crazy hate mail people were from across the u.s were jumping on google and giving them bad reviews now in this particular case it turned out i think it turned out well for them they did end up getting a lot of money because a lot of people saw that this was an unfortunate situation where they weren't actually being bigoted and the reporter kind of caught some, you know, poor cashier off guard. And, and, and so it really wasn't a fair situation. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't that they were actually turning somebody down. But the free market can be ridiculously brutal. Um, you know, and I'm like, I, in my opinion, the law has nothing on, you know, the government. I mean, unless they're literally using force, the, the government has nothing on the free market. The free market can be absolutely brutal and ruin your entire life savings. And uh, nobody cares. Right. Right. Well, you know, that speaks to a larger point that I think a lot of people kind of need to hear when it comes to selling libertarianism as well, is that it's not a free pass for all. And it's not just, a, you know, unchaining your mm -hmm. shackles to be free from all consequence. Um, freedom of responsibility 
are you know a, in large part in tandem with libertarianism because the inherent responsibility that's going to come with freedom means that you have to you know uphold whatever values you know that you see fit in your community and make sure that you know you're doing what you can to maintain that freedom and responsibility mm -hmm. because it's not like you could just do whatever you want in a free market like i was literally getting into it with someone on twitter who is saying that they would smoke or that they smoke and drive all the time or smoke drink and drive all the time and i said you would be the first one in Kapistan to be physically removed from the community because if you were drunk driving around a neighborhood with a bunch of kids people would go after you with force if this was agreed upon in this community right like, you cannot do this because you're putting families at risk here you would be once again removed because you're being irresponsible and I, you know, it's not like the free market would just allow degeneracy and people to act like complete and total right. idiots. There would be repercussions for bad decisions. Right. Well, that's what I tell people. I'm, I, I, one of the things that I, I make sure to note is that it's not that libertarian, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, you don't want any laws. And I'm like, no, what we want is we want to shift who is overseeing these rules right. from the government to the private sector. So if I own a stretch of road and you drive on it, you might say, DL, I've agreed to pay you, you know, $2 to drive this five mile stretch. And I'm expecting a clean road that doesn't have potholes. And then if you drive over a pothole and it damages your car, you're gonna be like, look, you DL did not uphold your end of the agreement. I gave you my money. I expected a proper road. You didn't provide one. So therefore I have a claim against you. And, um, you know, so I, I tell people, I'm like most every, I, 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 what I tell people is that most everything that we see more than likely would be shifted to the free market. It's not that it would necessarily go away, even mm -hmm. licensing, right? Like, I, I don't like the idea of licensing for like a barber because it seems absurd to me that, you know, people have been cutting hair for, I don't know, forever, for as long as humans have been alive, I assume. <laughs> Right. But for a very, very long time. And so it's, you know, it's, it's not that I don't like the idea that someone might show some uh, some level of skill um, that they can present to another person and say, I have demonstrated this skill in this course or in this whatever. It's that I don't think that the government, you know, you know I mean, I don't think the government really does a good job of enforcing it in the first place. And then a lot of times they're very absurd in their rules and their regulations, and they don't necessarily make sense. So you've got somebody basically going through all this work and it may not necessarily, and usually doesn't necessarily translate into a, a you know better performance. Whereas I think the free market would actually do that. They would say, okay, look, you know, this idea is dumb because it's not going to make you a better uh, barber, but this idea over here is a great idea, and it's actually going to help improve your your skills. And then I'm going to want to hire you, or mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. So I think that we would have institutions that would say you are an accredited barber, and then people could make the decision and say I'm going to go to this, you know, this barber here because I know that they're accredited by some agency mm -hmm. who uh, has specifically made sure that this person knows what the heck they're doing. Cause I, when I, I mean, I don't have hair now, um, but when I was younger, I had hair and I would go to the barber all the time. And I, 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 when I was in Indiana, I liked a barber. She was a small, uh, she had like, it was like a home that was renovated into a barber mm -hmm. shop and she had like three chairs in there and it was just her, it was like her own private business, right? It wasn't a big business. She was the one that could cut my hair the best, but I would go to like the shops in the mall or not the mall, but the, um, uh, the, uh, uh, what do you call that? The shopping center, mm -hmm. right? And I would go out there and they would mess it up every time. 
every single time. But they went to school. They had all these hours. I don't, you know, and, and they would have like a little plaque on the wall. I don't know if this woman had anything, you know, but she cut my hair pretty well. So what's going on, guys? Um, we're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about these show sponsors and the way that you can support me and this podcast. Um, I'm sponsored by Axe and Sledge. Won't really focus in here, but uh, right here in my hand, I have their um, the grind, which is essential amino acids and hydration. Um, feel free to check it out. Um, this is your mom's sweet peach. They have some awesome flavors and awesome names. They also have multivitamins, fat burners, creatine, beta, beta alanine, um, all sorts of different supplements to help you get all jacked and tan and help you become a person more full of uh, liberty and health as this show is about. So um, if you want to support me and support this podcast, then feel free to go to axandsledge.com and check out um, all their great supplements there and use code Matovic10, that's M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0 at checkout for a little discount and to let them know I sent you their way. All right, everybody. Thanks. Now back on to the show. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, shift it over here. Um, why did you brand your podcast Liberty Dad? Because I I love the branding, but I'm kind of curious your thoughts around that. Because um, you know, I I plan to be a father here soon. We we're talking off camera. I'll be getting married down your way mm -hmm. here in um a, less than a month and a half. And uh, you know, fatherhood to me seems like probably the greatest responsibility that um anybody will ever go to or you know mm -hmm. anyone will ever achieve in their entire life so um i'm curious as to your thoughts around your brand because it seems like you really really run with the brand i really really like it <laughs> um before i my son was born i wanted to do a podcast mm -hmm. and if anybody wants to blame somebody now i don't have a ron paul moment but i do have a tom woods like, I don't want to say a moment. There was no singular moment, but I was an avid listener of Tom Woods for a long time. And I really liked his podcast. One, it was short. It was like a half an hour. Um, two, he didn't use profanity. So if I wanted to play it while, you know, like if, if my mom had been around, I could be like, hey, mom, check out this. Right. Uh, so because a lot of the people that I know, not all, of them, but a lot of them, they're not really big on super duper, you know, a lot of profanity. And at the time when I was checking out podcasts, I, I had only checked out a handful. I didn't know there were like, 900 podcast, um, you know, podcasters in the libertarian community. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I would have not started one, mm -hmm. but, um, so I, I really appreciated the way that Tom Woods came across what I was not terrible. You know, what I wanted to do different was I was like, occasionally there was an episode that I could give a friend and I was like, I think we need more introductory stuff, you mm -hmm. know, more stuff that's like simple breakdown you know and, and he starts his podcast by saying you know you know you become a smarter libertarian in 30 minutes a day and i was like yeah but how do we get somebody to become a libertarian in the first place you know so rather than making them smarter like maybe i can bring them in and then pass them on to you <laughs> right it's kind right. of my, my my gist so then i was like all right well, what am i going to do how am i going to make it and i was like man i don't know and you know my wife was pregnant and i was like that'd be like liberty dad and i was like well, what does that mean so then I had to think about it and I was like, you know what? So here's what, here's what it means. Liberty, there's two words, Liberty dad, right? So Liberty uh, is obviously, I, I talk about things that are libertarian and Liberty focused. That's, that's, that's almost always what I talk about. Um, but dad is very interesting. Um, my son, he's now three and a half. He's learning everything, most everything from his mom and dad. I mean, he's learning from, you know, TV and friends and, you know, whatever, but most everything that he learns, he learns from us. And what I want is I want him 
one day he will go out in the world and he's going to hear something different than what I have taught him. It doesn't matter. It could be anything. It could be about woodworking. It could be about, uh, you, you know, whether or not socialism is a good or a bad idea, clearly a bad idea. But he might, he's going to go out and he's going to hear something different. What I always want is him to be, you know, feel comfortable coming back and saying, dad, I heard this thing. It's not what you taught me. What do you think about it? And it's not a matter of, I want him to think I've got all these great answers. I may not always have the answers, but I want him to always feel like he can come to me for, for a question that he has and say, hey, this doesn't make sense or this doesn't sound like something that you, that, that you would agree to. Why or why not? You, you know, because I'm like, if I'm the kind of person that he feels comfortable asking, then maybe he won't go and find some other dope that he shouldn't be asking from, right? It's kind of my right. gist. And so I was like, you know what? That's what libertarians need to be. Libertarians need to be the person who, when somebody has a question, they, I wonder what so-and-so thinks about this. And would you believe it? I've had some friends that have just messaged me, um, usually around election time, and they'll say, hey, DL, um, I saw this in the news. It's going to be on the ballot. It's an issue. What do you think or what does the Libertarian Party think about this? Right? Mm -hmm. And clearly, had I been a jerk to them, they would have been like, I'm not going to ask him. Right. So then I came up with this catchphrase. I was like, uh, you know, you're preparing for tomorrow's conversation today mm -hmm. because the reality is we're, we're most likely not going to convince somebody, not full on, um, of an idea in a conversation. And so what I look for is more of a, wow, okay, that's I didn't really thought about that because that means I've taken them away from their idea just enough at least mm -hmm. to to consider that maybe there's something else right whatever that may be and so and and it's so in terms of ideas the arena of ideas what i want is i want people to hear me and i want them to see me as somebody that they can approach and and it can be very difficult especially on friggin twitter right i mean i've had a few blowups I, I know at the very beginning of the episode you were like oh dude you're always so nice usually like most of the time but but every now and then i've had you know there's like there, there's there's definitely one person we're not going to name any but there is one person who's a former member of the libertarian party who uh, i i i lit i lit up on on facebook and i had a conversation later with a friend and i was like yeah i could have handled that and should have handled that way differently um um so if the bridge hadn't been burned i certainly set it on fire you know and um and, and, and so what I try to do is leave the door open, you know, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I have to be run over, right? We can always draw a boundary and say, no, this is unacceptable, mm -hmm. you know, and, and use that disassociation. And, you know, sometimes you need to even clap back and say, look, you know, I had one person, again, no names. What did they say on Twitter? They said something. They were like, don't ever put words in my mouth. And I didn't, it's, yeah, they, they were like, don't ever put words in my mouth again. And I was like, okay, for one, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just telling you my impression of what you said. So I came back and I said, look, I'm short. I'm not a bitch. Uh, so don't act tough. And, you know, and then I, and then, and then I stopped there. You know, I didn't take it any further than I needed to. And then I, then I went into having that conversation. Now today, yeah, this morning I said something, I was a little sharp with someone, found out that I had misread their tweet. And then I came back and I said, look, I apologize. I was being a little bit, you know, um, you know, hasty with what I had to say. So I apologize. I misread. 
anybody that, you know, feel free to bag on me if you need to, you know, anybody, I said, anybody feel free to do it. Cause I deserve it. And several people came back and they were like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm glad you took ownership. I, I appreciate that. So, you know, this, it's this idea that we remain approachable all the time because I want my son to always feel that he can approach me mm-hmm. and, and tell me things. I mean, imagine being a parent and your child, I mean, they're, they're always going to withhold something from you. I mean, that's just the nature of it, but, it, but they shouldn't, what we should aim for is our children to not withhold things because they're afraid to tell us or because they, they think we might blow up. Right mm-hmm. now, now, there might always be something like that. I mean, you can't guarantee that your kid might, you know, will never be like, okay, dad's pretty chill, but this one I'm, I'm pretty sure because, you know, sometimes kids, you know, miss, they, they underestimate their own parents. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but, but make sure that it's no more than it absolutely has to be. And so always remain approachable. And so that's the nature of the show. Uh, when I, when I do my show, um, I, I rarely use any profanity and it's not that I'm, you know, a goody two shoe with my language. Uh, I, I can trust me, like anytime I'm working on a project, you, you there's, there's plenty of profanity to be heard. Um, especially when things go wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and when my buddies are hanging out and we're having a cigar and some drinks out back, uh, who knows what I'll say, you know, I mean, it, it can get pretty wild from here because, you know, I, I do have a, I do have the capacity to say pretty wild things. Um, but in terms of, you know, I just try to make sure this is like professional um, approach where people generally feel they can approach me. And hopefully even people that I've had conflict with, hopefully if they really wanted to to resolve things, hopefully they would say, you know what? I know he blew up at me, but I think if I got to see him in person, I think he'll take me, I think he'll be chill enough to have a conversation and maybe we can resolve our differences. And so hopefully at least what I've done is created that, I don't want to call it a persona, but that, that view of me. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's interesting because what I didn't expect and I get sometimes is people are like, oh, Liberty Dad's here, you know, for all of us hooligan types. And, you know, I'm like, that's not really kind of what I meant by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so I get that sometimes and I'm like, okay, well, I guess that one kind of, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but that's, you know, so the genesis of it was really just to, just to be this figure in the libertarian party that was always approachable. Uh, but at the same time, if somebody wants to get snippy with me, I'm not going to let you run me over, mm-hmm. you know, so I can clap back if I need to. Um, and, and hopefully need to is very, very rare. So that's the, that's the nature of Liberty Dad. And that's what I hope to present. I also hope to present one that's knowledgeable. So whenever I, I put a lot, whenever I do an episode that's, um, especially my pre-recorded episodes where I'm talking about something, I mean, people don't realize the amount of hours that I sometimes put into researching and, and reading and, and double checking and, you know, make, because I want my information to be correct. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want, if anything, then maybe I've just um, put it together wrong, or maybe I've misunderstood something, or maybe there's new information that I should consider. That's where I want it to be. So that's that's what I try to do. And then, um, other than that, just sound like your average average everyday guy. So I you, you sometimes will see me like sporting a tie. Sometimes like right now I'm wearing a t-shirt mm-hmm. and you know a simple hat um, or a ball cap. I want to be the guy that you can think of as, hey, I grew up with a dad that wore a suit every day. I can kind of identify with 
Liberty dad with DL a little bit, or, Hey, I grew up with a dad that was a mechanic or was a plumber. And I can identify with that guy as well, because I kind of dabble in all those worlds. Anyway, sometimes I'm, I am wearing a suit and a tie. And sometimes I am out, you know, doing some, well, actually I've really gotten into woodworking a lot lately. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, so, so I'm kind of doing all these things anyway. So I'm like, might as well make the best of it. Right. So basically it's just to be very, very fatherly. And I think you present that relatively well. Um, I can't imagine really a better note to uh, kind of wrap up on that. So I got a couple more questions I'll ask you and then uh, we'll rock and roll out of here if you don't got anything else. Sure. Cool. What does Liberty look like to you? Um, the freedom to make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 let's let's make sure we're very clear what that means. You can't make mistakes if you're too afraid to try something, for, whether it's fear of the government or fear of your peers. Mm -hmm. And we should be able to, you know, we should be a community if that's what we're going to provide. We should be a community that says, look, we want you to be free from government intrusion, and at the same time. We're gonna be, we're gonna be patient with you and allow you to make mistakes without running you over the or raking you over the coals too hard. So I think I, I think that's what liberty is. Is like people can make mistakes because a lot of times you don't really know what space you belong in, what lane you belong in until you get out there and you try it. And one, you need the freedom to be able to do it, so you you can't have this government intrusion that's preventing you from doing it in the first place. And then two, um, you need a kind of like a support around you, um, even if it's just, hey, we're not going to drag you for even trying. Right. Well, yeah, that was definitely a unique answer. I don't think anyone's ever uh, laid it out that way before. So no, I, I really, really like that. What does health look like to you? Health? Um, oh, man, that one's a tough one. You caught me. That one really caught me off guard. What is health? <laughs> Um, you know, I think it's the, you know, it's kind of similar to that freedom to try things. I think health looks like the freedom to be able to do things that the typical person within your age range might be able to do. And I say might be able, because, you know, I know as you get older, um, you know, that, that kind of gets a little bit rocky. Like should a 70 year old be like Jack LaLanne and be able to swim with 70 boats tied to him. Well, that's probably extraordinary. So maybe that's not your typical person, but maybe should a 70 year old, like my neighbor, he's like 72, I think. And he is like, sometimes I'm like, I think you're trying to put me to shame, buddy. And I'm like 44. I, I felled a tree a while back. Mm -hmm. And while I was at work, my wife sent me a picture of him out in the yard uh, with an ax splitting some of the logs. And I, mm -hmm. so I gave him a hard time. I was like, dude, you trying to make me look bad or what? You know, he just decided he was going to come over and help. And he came over and just started splitting some of our wood. He's like 70 years old and wow. he's like splitting our wood. You know, so I, I, I like the idea that I can do what I want to do. If I want to go riding a bike, if I want to join a marathon or something like that, then I have the health that's sufficient to either work up to it with, you know, with a little bit of effort or do it, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm excluding, you know, the obvious extraordinary things. So if you say like, oh, should I be able to, you know, run the Boston Marathon? Well, you know, I don't know that everybody should be able to, but if you're like, I would love to run the Boston Marathon, then I think that health for that person should look like somebody that just needs to train for it. Not necessarily they've got to overcome health problems mm -hmm. first, then train for it. 
So that's to me what health looks like, you know, just kind of very similar to the last answer, you know, the ability to, to, to go out and do what you want to do physically with a limited level of preparation, you know, which is sometimes necessary. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, where can everybody find you deal? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Liberty dad, uh, Liberty dad pod. Yeah. Liberty dad pod. Um, I, it's been a while since I've given that one out. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Liberty dad. Um, I tried to get the Liberty dad on Twitter, but that fellow never responded. So I don't know, whatever. Um, so don't go there. So I'm Liberty dad pod on Twitter and you'll find me. I got a picture of me holding the microphone. Um, Liberty dad podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, Liberty dad on Facebook and then Liberty dad podcast at Gmail. If people want to send me an email. Awesome. Well, I really, really enjoyed this conversation and I think people are going to get a lot out of it because we covered uh, a wide range of topics and kind of went down some rabbit holes that um, I didn't necessarily expect to go down, but um, it was very, very enjoyable DL. Thank I you. can be chatty. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, dude, it was excellent. So I really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, make sure everybody, if you're listening, like subscribe, check out the show's sponsors, Axe and Sledge and Element as well. So yeah, until next time, everybody take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.